Smurfies? Yeah, yeah, what you guys say? The Smurfs. Cool, I, I used to watch the Smurfs. Sorry, you went... Spy Kids. Oh. Now, wouldn't that be cool to be a kid and be able to be a spy like that and all those secret gadgets and nifty things? Yep. Fantastic. Well, that's good. I'm glad you haven't got it. Yep, one more. Tuesday. Tuesday's a good day to go to the movies. A bit cheaper. All right. Well, I brought my Bible along this morning. All right? And, and I just want to share some stories from you. And... I was, I was getting ready, and Mark and Cheryl asked me to share some stories about Jesus from the Bible. So I thought, well, get get my Bible out and get get ready to share you share some stories with you. So anyway, I op- I opened it up, and uh, to try and have a look at what some of the stories in the Bible were. Anyway, when I opened up, what happened? Well, what can you see? What can the parents see? It was blank, and I. I couldn't work out what was happening. So I, so I rang Mark up and said, Mark, I've looked in my Bible and I can't find anything about, you know, I can't see the stories of Jesus. They're not coming out to me. I just can't see them. And he said, well, you know, did you read it? Have you read through it? You know, did you spend sort of 10, 15 minutes just sitting down and reading through through the Word? I said, well, I had a bit of a quick look, you know. I thought it just sort of come out at me. He says, no, well, you need to, Andrew, you need to spend a bit longer in God's Word. You know, spend, you know, spend 10, 15 minutes and keep keep reading through the Word. So anyway, I opened the Bible up again and, and had another look, and, and then this is what I saw. Oh. Wow. It, it, it came up. It's special tricks. <laughs> and, and anyway, God's word came out to me, and suddenly I could see it. So I thought, that's great. So, so I read through it and read the stories of Jesus and got all ready for Sunday. And then I put my Bible back on the shelf. and you know. Didn't have to worry about it because I was already then. I was, I was cool. I had it all organised. Anyway, a week out. Oh, better, better get it out. And just check, make sure I've got the stories. Make sure they're still there ready for me. I opened up the Bible and had a look. They've gone. Now, they were there a week ago. How come they've gone now? I rang Mark up again. Mark, what's, what's going on? The stories have gone. You know, I read them. You know, I did what you said. I spent 10, 10 minutes reading the stories and, and was already, and they're gone. And he said, Andrew, so what would you do the next day? I said, well, I put it back on the shelf. I was all organized. He says, Andrew, God needs you to read your Bible every day for 10, 15 minutes. He doesn't want you to just look, look, pick it up once and then, and then put it away. So I went, oh, all right. I'll try that. I'll try that. I'll give it a go. So during this week, I started reading at 10, 15 minutes a day, getting ready for, for, for kids' church. And then guess what happened? The stories of Jesus came out of the Bible and I could see them yet again. Wow. So, let me encourage you guys. Let me, let me encourage you guys that it's really, really important that we, we don't just pick up the Bible every now and then and that we, and that we don't just read it once or twice, that we actually focus on reading God's Word Every single day, because when we read it every single day, his stories come out at us, and we can and we can see them; they become clearer to us. But more importantly, as we read them, as we read them every day, and as we get into his word, and particularly as we pray, as we share his word with other people, as we share it with our parents, 
And parents, let me encourage you as you share the word with your children, not only will they see the pictures and the stories of Jesus, but as we share together as families and share with praying with God, that those pictures will come to life and we'll see beautiful coloured pictures of Jesus. So let that be an encouragement to all of us to spend that time in the word each and every day, kids, 10 minutes every day, and just spend that time and ask mum and dad, if there's things you don't understand, encourage, ask mum and dad for what, what it might be. And parents, let me encourage you to share that with your kids and they will see those beautiful coloured pictures of Jesus' story. So kids, you can go and either spend some time out in kids' church. Before you go, how about I just quickly pray for you guys? All right? Let's bow our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for for your word, for the, the wonderful stories that exist in, within it and for the wonderful truth. Lord, I just ask that we would be encouraged to delve into your word every day as, as kids to just start to really tap in and, and, and read and understand. And as adults, Lord, that we would be, be leaders for our children and be able to delve deeper into the word with them and to uh, really encourage them in that. And that, Lord, as we uh, pray together over your word and and uh, understand what it means for us that those beautiful pictures would come to life and they would be a, a beautiful colour color picture for our life. In your name, amen. Thanks, guys. Can I have a church? Uh, a I walk around. So it's my privilege to um, to bring the word of God to you this morning. Before I do that, by the way, uh, some of you are aware that um, usually on the first Tuesday of the month, a number of us uh, gather. Whoa. I'm still setting up gather at the home of um, Claudia and David's and pray. We've been doing that for the last two years or more um, for the church here and um, we will continue to do that. But just to let you know that it's not on this Tuesday night. Claudia is not all that well at the moment. She's still struggling and so um, we'll let it go and uh, as November comes around, we'll... Um, let you know on what date um, it'll be on. Okay, if you can open your Bibles, if you have them, to 1 Samuel chapter 14. I want to read you from 1 Samuel chapter 14, starting on verse 6. But before I do that, move the chair. I just want to give you a little bit of background into this. What happened is that the Philistines had attacked Israel. But before they did that, they actually went about tying up, I would say, probably all the blacksmiths and uh, all the, the ore mines and things like that. So 
the Israelites weren't able to manufacture any weapons. The Philistines sort of controlled that area. But they were invading and Saul quickly gathered the army, quickly gathered the uh, Israeli army together and rushed out to meet the Philistines. On the way, he was interrupted by Saul. And Saul said to him, what are you doing? And Saul, oh, sorry, Samuel. And Saul said to Samuel, well, I'm marching off to, to meet the Philistines. And Samuel said, but you left without God's blessing. We always have God's blessing on the army before you march out. You, you didn't get God's blessing. I'm not very happy. And of course, Saul then didn't know what to do. Oh, I haven't got God's blessing. Oh, maybe I'm in trouble. Maybe God's not with us. And so he sat down. The Bible tells us he sat under a pomegranate tree. The whole army just came to a halt. And there they vegetated for, for quite a while while the Philistines got ready to, uh, to make an attack upon them. We'll take up the reading from verse 6. Jonathan said to his armour bearer, Come, let's go. Let's go over to the outpost of the uncircumcised followers. The Lord, sorry, struggling to read this now. Jonathan said to his young army bearer, Come, let's go over to the outposts of the uncircumcised followers. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armour bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, Come then, we will cross over towards the men and let them see us. If they say, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, climb up, it will be a sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistines' outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they have been hiding in. The men at the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armour bearer, come up to us and we will teach you a lesson. And so Jonathan said to his armour bearer, climb up after me, the Lord has given them into my hands. Jonathan climbed up, using his hands and his feet with his armour bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armour bearer followed and killed those behind him. This is the first attack. Jonathan and his armour bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. 
and they go on then to completely rout the whole Philistine army in that short, just two men in that short time. Let's pray. Father God, we look at this story this morning. We pray that you will speak to us through it. Pray, Father God, that as we do so, your word will come alive, that we may learn from it, that we may go from here, Lord, in a better understanding of who you are, for you are the Almighty. And Father God, may the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight this day, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Three weeks ago, Mark talked to us about being the church. And I really hope that for those of you who have heard it, that you would have been encouraged by it, that you would have been inspired by it. And in some ways, I hope you've been encouraged by it. Being a church, of course, as Mark shared, is being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Now, I can say to you this morning that I'm a citizen of Australia, because I am. But as a citizen of Australia, you see, I can avoid taxes if I try. I can break some of the rules of the land if they don't really suit me. I can procrastinate in some degree and not fulfil the obligations that I have as a citizen towards the state of Victoria or, for that matter, the, the Commonwealth. In other words, I may be a citizen of Australia, but in reality, I'm only play-acting. I'm just playing at being a citizen, not really fulfilling the obligations that I have. The truth be known, people, I feel that at times, and I'm guilty of this, that we ourselves, as the people of God, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, as the church, I really believe that we spend too much time playing at being church rather than being church because there is a big difference. Two weeks ago, Mark spoke on us being the hospital. And again, I pray that you were encouraged by that, that you were inspired by that. But you also had something from that to take home and learn from. But being a hospital is more than just trying to take care of the sick, is it not? Being a hospital involves prevention, finding ways to stop people getting sick. Being a hospital is not just about putting band-aids on surface wounds, hoping that they would heal up over a period of time. Mark, last week, spoke to us on being an army, did he not? And again, I would hope that you would be encouraged, inspired and challenged 
by that message. But let me say this, brothers and sisters, it's not worth a cracker. If we spend our whole Christian life in the army of the heavenly Lord, in, in the most powerful army, I would say, in all of creation, is it not? It's not much, it's not much good if we spend our whole Christian life in boot camp and we don't make it out of boot camp or ever worry about facing the enemy and doing something about what is going on around us. This morning I want to talk about taking initiatives I want to talk about being motivated to do good things out of righteousness. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, verses 37 to 40, if you want to look it up, he was sharing with them about the lambs and the goats, you would recall the, uh, the time. And he said to them about how the the lambs would feed the needy and give water to those who were drinking, who would visit the sick and those who were in prison. And picking up from verse 37, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in? or in need of clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king replied to them, I tell you the truth, whenever you did it for one of the least of these of mine, you did it unto me. You see. Christian life, brothers and sisters, is not just a matter of ridding ourselves of sin. There's more to the Christian life than just avoiding sin or ridding ourselves of that sin. It requires us to address sin. It requires us to address evil. And it requires us to address the byproducts of sin and the byproducts of evil, wherever we find it. But it requires us does it not, to take the opportunity whenever we can to do good. To do good. I don't know how many out there of you who have read uh, Erwin McManus's book, Chasing Daylight. Has anyone here read that book? I would recommend it to you. Okay, Thoroughly recommend it to you. In that book, he tells a story about how... <coughs> Excuse me. Of how, after a very hard year in ministry, he was able to take a break and he went away to a beachside resort for that much needed break from ministry. And one day, early in the morning, he got up with his young 10 year old son Andrew and went for a walk. And, um, he walked along the, the pavement and was going down the stairs onto the sand with his 10-year-old son when he 
just happened to catch out of the his right eye this man double amputee walking across the beach on two crutches a big feet I must add but here he was and he said just as he was getting down to the bottom of the stairs he caught out of this out of that right eye that moment when the man fell crutches gave way underneath him he couldn't pick himself up and Irwin said at that moment at that precise moment I made the decision to go to the left and he turned and started walking up the beach to the left and he felt a tug on his arm I looked down, it was his 10-year-old son, and his 10-year-old son said, Stop, Dad. And Irwin said, Why? And he says, I've got to go back and help that man. And so his son ran off and endeavoured to try and lift up this double amputee. And, of course, he couldn't do it. And Irwin said he looked and he knew at that precise moment that he had missed one of those divine times that impregnate all our lives. One of those divine moments to have done something good. But it was his sons who took the, took the time, took the motivation, took the initiative and went and helped. He said he stood there and he watched his son trying to lift this man. Then all of a sudden people came from all over the place. He said and his son came back to him and he was crying. Tears were running down his face. And Owen said, what's the matter? And he said, Father, I couldn't help him. I was useless. And Owen said to him, look, he's on his feet and people are aiding him. You were his Christ in that hour of need. I don't know. Aaron seized the moment and he went and did something about it and addressed the needs of that man. I'd have to say, brothers and sisters, with all honesty, we have put so much emphasis, I believe, on avoiding evil that we have virtually become blind to the need to do good. And we have gauged our whole Christian life. We have, we have gauged holiness, have we not, as being not sinning. And I'm not saying to you this morning that avoiding sin is not being holy. I'm not saying that at all. But you've only got half the picture. Being holy is being Christ-like, is it not? And as Erwin said to his young son Aaron, in that moment, in that man's moment of need, you were Christ to him. You were holy. 
being a Christian, being a citizen of the heavenly kingdom, the church of the risen Lord, is not just about stopping the wrongs in life. It's also about doing what is right in life. In those divine moments of opportunity as God prevents them. We cannot, brothers and sisters, in all honesty, we, can, we cannot follow Jesus Christ in neutral. It can't be done. And we may try and fool ourselves into thinking that we can. But we can't. Samuel des describes in our reading this morning one of those divine moments. He des describes the dilemma that was facing Jonathan. Saul had immobilised his army because he, he had acted impromptuous. He had rushed off without first getting the blessing from, from Samuel. He had failed to wait. And because he was afraid now of meeting the Philistines, because he was afraid of losing, and therefore losing the gift that God had given to him, the kingdom, He did nothing but procrastinated under a tree in truth Saul had been entrusted had he not with all the authority with all the power of the heavens at his disposal he had everything he needed to defeat the Philistines but he was afraid to lose that which God had already given to him because of one act when the Philistines were preparing themselves to, to crush God's people when, when they were preparing themselves to claim the promised land for themselves Saul just sat down and went to sleep under a tree his response to having done something wrong was not to do something right. Not to do anything at all. But just sit and wait. The sad thing is that in doing so, being afraid of losing everything that God had given to him, by doing nothing he was going to lose it anyway. Blessings were gone if he did nothing. His faith and trusting in God to act was not there. He did not have enough faith. He did not have enough trust in God to act and to take the opportunity like so many of us I believe we just we want to do it but we're just afraid of doing it and sometimes brothers and sisters I think we're afraid to do it because we're afraid of what it's going to cost 
And we're afraid to do it because we're afraid of what we're going to lose. But let me say this to you. God has given us the gifts that we have, not for us to worship them. I have a wonderful house. I ride motorbikes. I love my motorbikes. Do I want them taken away? Would I sacrifice them? Pretty hard. But I would do it, you see, if the Lord required me to do it. People, dare I say, that we receive that which we have received from God has taken preeminence over the God who has received us. Okay? What we have received from God has taken preeminence over the God who has received us. And his gifts for us are to enjoy, not to worship and hold on to at all costs. Dare I say this this morning? We are in danger. We are in danger of gaining the whole world and losing ourselves, so to speak. All would have been lost. In that moment, the whole kingdom of Israel would have been lost if not for Jonathan. And not for Jonathan waking up in the middle of the night, taking the initiative and getting up and doing something about it. By the way, that, that whole account, when you really look about it, isn't that the story of Esther? The, the little girl, Israelite, who became a queen? who hid her identity from the king, by the way, for quite a while, only to find out that an official within the kingdom was planning to wipe out all of the Jews in the whole nation. And Malachi came to her and said to her, what did he say to her? Did anyone remember what he said to her? Was it? That's right. Maybe you were here for such a time as this. Maybe this is a divine moment that you need to take. And we all know the story that she took it, did she not? Do you know that there's only three words in that whole account here that we looked at that separated Jonathan from Saul. And to be honest with you, brothers and sisters, there's only three words in this story that separates us sometimes from Jonathan. You know what those three words are? Come, let's go. Simple as that. Come, let's go. Let's do something. People, God wants to transform us. He wants to transform us to, into spiritual activators, doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. 
He never created us to just believe on him and then take the sidelines of life. It's not his intention at all. For the kingdom of God to advance, Christians must step out in faith and trust and be prepared to take the initiatives in life in those divine moments, no matter what they are. We must be prepared to lay down everything for the sake of the Lord. And he's no man's debtor. Let me assure you, he's no man's debtor. He will reward you richly. I don't know, something, maybe someone awoke Jonathan that night from his slumber when everyone else around him was fast asleep. Maybe he echoed to his armour bearer the very words that God may have said to him in awakening him. Come, let's go. And we're very early in in the life of this church in Officer. But we run the risk. We run the risk, do we not? In the midst of all that is around us to forget who we are. Brothers and sisters, God does not want you to forget. But I have a message for you this morning. It's simply this. Do not forget who you are. You are a child of God. You are a member, a citizen of the holy kingdom, the heavens. You are of a royal priesthood. You are the church of the risen Lord. And all power and authority in the heavens and the earth has been given unto you. Not only to fight the evil, but also to do the good. And I inspire you, I encourage you, I plead with you to step out and do the good. Simply, I believe the message this morning from God is this. Come, let's go. And let's serve our risen Lord. Got a bit of time. I want to finish with a children's talk. Children are not here, but that's fine. Mums and dads anyway. <clears throat> stories about Webster the preacher duck now I don't know if anyone has read that little children's story it's put out by the way in the Lost Sheep series of children's books and I would encourage you to go and get them if you ever find them they're great little books this is one about Webster the preacher duck it goes like this Sunday morning and the ducks awake stretch their wings and they leave the lake Waddle through the reeds, up the bank. They waddle past the dog, under the tank. Waddle, waddle, waddle down the hill. Waddle, waddle, waddle past the perch. Waddle, waddle, waddle up the road and into the church. This is where it gets dramatic. And there he stands, the Prince of Pluck, the world's greatest preacher.
the world's greatest preacher, Webster D. Duck. I'm the preacher, Doc, he said, and the message that I bring is praise to the Lord, for he has given us wings. Fish have fins to swim in the water. Monkeys have tails to hang from the tree. But ducks want us, but the Lord want us to fly in the sky. He gave us wings so that we could fly. And all the ducks began to quack. Praise the Lord! For we have wings and we can fly to the moon and back. Webster said to them, Now ducks, use your imagination. We are not governed by gravitation. We are made for aviation. Great preacher, eh? And all the ducks praised God for the gift that he had given to them. And after the message and after the service, they left the church and they praised the preacher for his wonderful sermon. And all the ducks, one by one, waddled down the road. They waddled under the stand waddle round the dog and waddle into the pond. What's it say to us? It says to us that we are hearers of the word but not doers of the word. Let us be doers of the word, brothers and sisters. Let us hold firm this morning that we are going to be what God created us to be. That we are going to take this wonderful gift of life that he has given to us and we are going to do great and mighty things for him to his glory and in his name. Have a wonderful week.